Hello and welcome to Dragon Bites, the paediatric podcast aimed at paediatric trainees and anyone interested in child health. I'm Asim, I'm one of the paediatric trainees here in Wales and one of the presenters for Dragon Bites. This week we've got a special episode for you. Both myself and a new Dragon Bites host, Dr Zoe Johnson, were joined by members of the charity organisation Dreamflight. Together we discussed what the Dreamflight charity aimed to achieve and what you can do to help the Dreamflight charity. Anyway, let's get started. So, hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of Dragon Bites. Uh, my name's Asim, I'm one of the hosts for Dragon Bites. We've got a special episode today about um, a charity who've come in to discuss things with us. We're going to leave the description of that to them. But first up, I wanted to introduce a new Dragon Bites host. So, we have Zoe with us. Hi, Zoe. Hi, Asim. Hi, Zoe. So, you just joined the team now. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, my name's Zoe. I'm one of the SD1 uh, paediatric trainees down in South Wales. Um, been down in Wales for a good few years now, but have been on board with Dragon Bites for the last few months. So excited to be recording my first podcast. Yeah, it's amazing to have you with us. And congratulations to Zoe from everyone, because Zoe passed AKP this week. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> Very exciting. Nice, nice one, nice one. Um, and now I'd like to introduce our um, guests for this evening from the Dream Flights charity. So first up, we've got Gillian Ticehurst. Hello, Gillian. Hi, Asim. Lovely to be here. Lovely to meet you too. Um, and we also have um, Chris Course. Hi, Chris. Hi, Asim. Um, and you've been with us on the podcast before, haven't you, talking about neonatal grid training? I have, yes, a few years ago. I think a couple of things have changed since then, but um, hopefully it's still useful. Yeah, well, I think it, I think looking at the listenership, it really is. Um, so first, can we have a quick um, chat with yourself, um, Jilly? So can you tell us about yourself and your role in Dreamflights? Yeah, hi, Asim. So I'm a regional group leader on Dreamflight. It's a children's charity and I manage the Welsh Arm um, effectively for Dreamflight. There are 12 of me within the charity and we all take on a region. So we cover South West and Mid Wales and also Herefordshire, Worcestershire and Gloucestershire. And we take incurably sick and disabled children on a holiday of a lifetime to Florida. And I've been involved oh, since 1997. Um, so a very long time. And um, yeah, absolutely love it. So I could, I could talk for hours on Dreamflight. Oh, that sounds amazing. I won't say what I was doing back in 1997 because I feel like that would not help the situation. <laughs> <laughs> but I heard, uh, doesn't Team Wales have a, a special name? Have I heard this right? We do, we do. Yes, I am fondly known as Mama Shrek. Um, so we are Team Shrek. So all of the regional groups have their own character name. Not necessarily a Disney or Universal character. It can be any name. Um, I could probably reel them off. Um, but yes, yeah, so we're Team Shrek and we have our little ogres, our junior Shrekies as we call them. And it's great because then we can have lots of fun with it while we're away. Lots of team bonding. And, you know, we have our, our donkey of the day moments when somebody does something silly. Um, we have our noble steed award when, when somebody does something amazing. And we, yeah, we have, we have lots of fun with it. Oh, that's amazing. Um, well, I look forward to hearing more from you in a second. Um, but first, I want to also quickly introduce Chris as well. Hi, Chris. Hi, Asim. 
Um, so can you, for, for people who might not have listened to our previous podcast with you in it, do you mind giving us a quick introduction uh, to who to who you are? Yeah, so my name is Chris Corse. Um, I'm uh, an ST7 neonatal grid trainee in South Wales. I'm currently out of programme doing some research with Cardiff University. Uh, and I've been involved with Dreamflight since 2019. And I'm the current Team Shrek uh, group doctor. Uh, and so uh, have responsibility for all the junior ogres uh, whilst we're getting ready for the trip and whilst we're away in Florida. I love these terms. I love these terms so much. Um, so um, what would be really great to hear is a bit about um, uh, uh, both of your careers to date. So could we start with yourself, Jilly? Like how um, can you tell us a little bit about your career up until this point now that you're the regional director for, for Wales? Yes, yeah, absolutely. So I joined British Airways as cabin crew um, back in 1996 and then I crossed the border from Wales, um, got dragged over to over to England and um, and then I thought, you know, I need something. I need some I need a hobby in my life when I'm flying and I was I was living up close to the airport and I came across a lovely, lovely man um, called Robin Hayes and he was a CSD then and involved in Dream Flight. And we had a lovely, lovely young lady on the flight who had some learning challenges. And it was a long flight because we were going to Hong Kong. And I just sat next to her and I was chatting with her. And I have to be honest, I'd never really um, been involved with vulnerable young people before. Um, but anyway, we got chatting with her and Robin said, you know what, Gillian, you'd be really good on Dream Flight. And I said, oh, what's that? And that was where the journey began. I thought, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to start fundraising and maybe one day I'll get chosen. And um, and I did. And then the, the following year, I got called by the, um, the Dream Flight founder. Her name is Patricia Pierce. Uh, she worked for British Airways and she said, hey, Gillian, do you want to come and join us? And, um, and so I worked as cabin crew on Dream Flight for a number of years. And then I was a um, an escort. So an escort is the name for um, a guardian of two children on the trip. So you take sole care for the children mm-hmm. um, on the lead up and on the trip. And then I moved on from being an escort to a group leader. So I was group leader from 2006. And then my responsibility grew from... Um, from gaining the nominations or certainly coordinating the nominations for within the region, also liaising with any sponsors or any press releases, and then selecting the team to come away with us. So it's all the fun stuff. Um, and then, of course, leading the team while we're out there around the parks and 32 people behind me, but it's all great fun. Wow, that's incredible. So it's amazing how just being a, how being like a member of Cabin Crew and finding that you really enjoyed caring for someone during a flight led to all of this. Yeah, absolutely. But I think I think I'm a kind of this closet nurse, really. See, I really wanted to be a nurse. So this mm. this taps into all those things that I wanted to do. And I kept threatening through my dream flight years. That's it. I'm going to go back and I'm going to go to the NHS and I'm going to train as a nurse. But I realised that actually what I do on dream flight is is great because I can care for the adults, the big ogres and the little ogres. Um, and then I have a very professional team alongside me to to actually do all the really complicated stuff <laughs> that's amazing thank you very much Shilly um, and Chris can you tell us a little bit about your career today and then how that led you into Dreamflight also uh, yeah so um, I've been a paediatrics trainee in uh, South Wales since 2014 um, and I heard about the charity when they put out a call for um, a, a new team doctor um, when I was still an ST3 so I'm 
and did a bit of reading about what the charity did. I thought, this sounds great. I applied. Uh, I was pipped to the post by uh, somebody who was slightly more senior in their training than me, uh, who was a good friend, uh, Rachel Morris, uh, who she then went on to do three trips. Uh, and when she was looking to have a year out, she knew that I'd applied at the same time as her. So she uh, sat me down in the middle of a night shift and said, uh, have you thought about uh, giving this a go? And I said, yes, I have. Um, and then uh, Rachel put me in touch with Jilly. Uh, we met and had a coffee and a chat. And um, I just loved hearing about everything the charity did and was really keen to get involved. Um, and uh, Jilly very kindly uh, took me on as the uh, Team Shrek doctor. Um, and uh, she's struggled to get rid of me ever since. I have. I think the only thing is, Asim, we might say that, you know, I told you we have Donkey of the Day Awards. Mm-hmm. Chris probably wears the donkey ears most yeah. often. <laughs> yeah. The kids are fighting to get it off me, but I, I just can't, you know, stop slipping up. <laughs> are we allowed to hear any of these stories, Chris? Can you remember any one of your most embarrassing donkey stories? Uh, gosh, um, uh, on my first trip, on the first day, I forgot to bring a child's wheelchair to the theme park. So oh, gosh. Probably not the best start to my dream flight experience, but it's a steep learning curve as with many parts of medicine and life. Uh, and I've not forgotten a wheelchair since. So. I think you may have possibly left your swim shorts on the water park day. You may have had to go to the shop and buy a pair of swim shorts. Was that not oh, you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that might have been me, yeah. <laughs> It's a recurring memory here, Chris. It all blurs into one after that. (laughs) Well, thank you for sharing that with us. So lots of people listening will never have heard about the great work that that Dreamflight does. So, Julie, I wonder if you could just tell us um, in a short short summary, what is Dreamflight and how did it all start? Yeah, so Dreamflight, is a, it's, it's a very unique charity, really. I know probably some of your listeners might have heard of Make-A-Wish and Over the Wall and lots of other things. So, so it's a UK charity that takes children, as I said, with a serious illness or disability on their trip of a lifetime. Um, we go to the theme parks of Central Florida. Central, sorry, go to the theme parks in Orlando, which is in Central Florida. Um, we take 192 children from all across the UK, um, with, a, with a wide range of illnesses and conditions. We privately charter a British Airways aircraft and we go away on a 10-day trip without their parents and then they are looked after by a team of volunteer escorts, doctors, nurses, physiotherapists. Um, and and we, yeah, we so look after them. And of course, this is not just a break for the children, a break in their monotony of their treatments but it's also break for the parents and the families as well and I don't think whilst we don't maybe advertise that fact I think that comes along with it and it's it's a really lovely thing some of these children have they've never been away from the parents never been able to have a sleepover some of them not even able to go on school trips if their conditions can't be managed and for a family even if they could afford to go to Florida Without a full medical team, these children may not be able to be cared for and moved and handled in, in the way that's safe for them. Um, and it, it, it gives the children this, this opportunity to discover that sense of independence, that they can manage their own treatments, giving them the confidence and, and to grow and, and hopefully some, some form of acceptance of their condition and give them a new outlook on life. And I don't think any of us really realise the benefit and uh, what Dreamflight does for them until they come back. And some parents, they're saying they're, they're still hearing things weeks and months later and realising, actually, you know, the, the, the effects are, 
are lifelong. And when we say it's life-changing, it, it, some children don't need their life-changing. They may be very happy, but the effects it has can be life-changing. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds magical. And I think what you said about independence is so important. I think as as healthcare professionals working in paediatrics, we promote that all the time. And it's it's lovely to see that that's being promoted in an extracurricular way as well. Um, and I think that that break for the parents is is also really important. Um, you mentioned previously that you've been involved for lots of years. How long has the charity itself been going? So it was set up in 1987. So we've just completed our 34th trip. Obviously, we didn't go over the pandemic. Um, we couldn't fly into the States and it wasn't safe to take the children away. Um, but yeah, since 1987. So even though we didn't fly, the charity's been going, people have been fundraising. And founded by Patricia Pierce, who now has an MBE, and she's a lovely lady who's still involved and still comes away on the trip um, and really does some phenomenal things. Amazing. I can't do the maths quickly enough in my head, but that must be thousands of children that have been on a dream flight trip. Yeah, absolutely. So we're now, we're just getting towards six and a half thousand children. I could, um, yeah, I think it's like 6,405 children to date. Amazing. That's, that's amazing. Thank you so much for that. Um, and I wonder if we could pass back over to you, Chris, or maybe with some help from Jilly. Um, can you tell us what a typical trip um, would look like for people who, who can't imagine what this amazing, chaotic, oh. magical trip looks like? It's the most incredible, unbelievable, intense experience that you can imagine. It is nonstop for 10 days. So uh, we ha- get a bus uh, from Cardiff down to the Hilton Hotel at Terminal 5 on the first day. And that's where all the groups from all across the UK congregate. So, you know, we've, we've done some um, pre-trip meetings and preparations. We've got to know our children a bit, but that's where all the groups come together. Um, and uh, we take over part of the hotel. We have a big welcome party. Uh, there's lots of activities for the kids. British Airways come with their flight simulator so the kids can have a go in that. The Metropolitan Police come along with their police horses and police dogs so the kids can meet those. Um, Dick and Dom, who are supporters of the charity, they come along and do a DJ set and come and meet the kids. And it's one big party. Um, and while the kids are having fun, um, lots of the medical team and the, the uh, group leaders and the escorts are doing lots of the behind the scenes preparations for the following day, uh, which is when we fly to Orlando. So uh, it's not like any other uh, trip out of the country that I've ever done. We don't go anywhere near an airport terminal. Uh, We travel straight uh, to BA's hangar um, at Heathrow under police escort uh, and board the plane directly there. Um, It's our own plane. Uh, We don't share it with anybody. It's just for dream flights. So it's a big party plane, essentially. um, And the kids can get up, they can move around, um, which is really beneficial for some of the more dependent children that need stretches you know still an eight hour eight nine hour flight to orlando um so we, we can still do their full medical management on the plane um we have you know in business class we've got beds that we can lie them down on and that sort of thing so that they can really get the full care that they need for that long flight which they may otherwise find challenging um we then land in orlando we then don't go anywhere near an airport terminal again we're met by our coaches straight off the plane and we get onto those um, and then one of my favourite bits of the trip happens, which is when Florida State Police close the freeway um, and there's a train of about 12, 13 coaches that go down the freeway with no other cars. They're all held at the uh, intersections and we've got motorcycle outriders flying down the um, 
the freeway with us and the sun's usually just setting so the light's really magical and it's it's really special uh to to get that sort of welcome from the americans it, you know it really does set the trip off uh to a good start uh and then we spend the next seven seven eight days uh doing all the big theme parks um of of orlando so we do the disney parks we go to water parks we do universal studios um islands of adventure uh sea worlds um and it really gives opportunity um for the kids to to challenge themselves push their boundaries push their limits build their confidence um and that really is what the theme parks are there as a mechanism to do and it's great fun to go on the rides but it really allows the children to explore their limits and explore um what they're comfortable doing and maybe push that a bit and, and find that they can do things they they didn't think they were capable of um then another really special moment is we go to a place called Discovery Cove, uh, which is a little bit more of a down day, sort of a, a beachy type vibe. Um, but there the children get to swim with dolphins, um, which really is one of the highlights of the trip um, and, and for the children as well as the adults. I mean, uh, getting to see these children that, you know, uh, some of them are so restricted in their day to day lives. Um, become not only a bit freer to move and, and to, to be a bit more independent in the water, but then to be able to swim and, and be carried around by a dolphin really is a, is a magical, magical moment. Um, while we're out there, uh, we stay at a, a lovely hotel, uh, which uh, we kind of take over. And part of me feels slightly sorry for any business people that are staying in, in this hotel at the same time, because we really uh, <clears throat> do... do um, uh, take full advantage of all the hotel's facilities, shall we say. Uh, we have about three floors of the hotel to ourselves. We decorate all the, the rooms that the kids stay in and the corridors. Um, we have the ballroom in the hotel as our entertainment and dinner space. Uh, and there's nightly entertainment for the, the children. That may be discos. We had a silent disco uh, this last trip for the first time, which went down really well. Live bands um, and uh lots of sort of games and activities we have a pool party at the hotel while we're there um so you know it's a real full-on holiday experience um the kids come back absolutely exhausted uh, as do the adults um, but we've all had a thoroughly brilliant time um and you know some of these kids make friendships with each other for life um some of the um adult volunteers are still in touch with children that they've um, went on the trip with many, many years ago and, you know, I've, I've kept a bit of a relationship there going um, and I've really seen the benefits that the, the trip has done for that child as they've become a young adult. Um, so once that eight days of fun uh, comes to an end all too soon, um, we'll then hop back on our plane and come back to the UK for a bit of a rest. Amazing. Oh, thank you so much for that, Chris. I think I speak for all of us. We said had a smile on our face throughout the whole of that um, description and simultaneously getting goosebumps in equal measure. I think that that just sounds absolutely magical. Um, I, I guess a question for both of you leading on from that, and you've, you've touched on it, is um, what do you think the trip achieves for these children? What does it aim to achieve and um, what do you think is the main thing that they get out of it? Yeah, and, and I was actually thinking, same as you, listening to Chris then, I was even, you know, even though I've been there for years, I still get goosebumps. <laughs> and, um, and and whilst, you know, a lot of people look at Dreamflight and they, they, they understand about the theme parks and they can imagine the rides, and they are amazing and the shows are amazing, but it is still a platform for the children to be able to socialise, meet other people with similar conditions or been through similar challenges. 
And I think that's possibly it, as they don't feel alone in their condition. Perhaps in their school, if they go to mainstream school, perhaps they're one of the only ones in that school who may may have additional learning needs, may use a wheelchair, or has to have time out for hospital appointments. They then come away on Dreamfly and they're like, oh, actually... You know, we've all got something going on and we have heard some some crazy, crazy quotes. And and I have had children, you know, who will ask me oh, what's wrong with that child. And, and we're very on Dreamflight, we're very much you're welcome to ask, ask your, your friend, but it's not something we'll discuss. And um, one of our uh, one of our children who had diabetes um, and was struggling, you know, really struggling. But this other little girl loved sweets. So she'd often said, oh, Mama Shrek, I've just realised they can't have sweets and I said no no darling I said they can't but that's okay and and they're fine with that and she goes thank goodness I've only got cancer and I was thinking how how can you say that but that is what she said to me because she couldn't imagine giving up sweets but she yet she could deal with what she was going through and that's where I think they start to realize that they're lucky and 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 we got told this this year one little boy who came back and his mum actually said to Chris and I when we got back I've never heard my little boy say he was lucky through everything he's been through. But he came back and he said, I'm really lucky because they they just look at the world differently, I think. So we hope that they will come back with, yeah, with a different outlook, with a little bit of acceptance, perhaps, and realise that actually life is okay. Um, And one, Chris touched on it, of friends that, you know, we've become. There's a child that I was on dream flight with, and she was was 12 in 1998, and I'm still friends with her, and she is now the patron of the charity, and it's Liz Johnson, and she's a Paralympic gold medalist, and she lives in Newport. And, um, yeah, and, you know, Liz never says she doesn't suffer with her condition, you know, she has it. She said, I have this condition. I don't suffer with it. And it's a really good outlook. And she can speak to the children differently because she's been in that position. So I'm sure, I don't know, Chris, you can add to that. But that would be my sort of how how I see how they, yeah, come out of the trip. I think that's so important, isn't it? You, you've really hit the nail on the head there about taking that focus off the diagnosis almost, isn't it? And actually using this as a platform for, for them to explore um, what life might be like outside of their medical condition I think for us as as healthcare professionals who might be listening that's really important because in our day-to-day job sometimes our job is to focus on the diagnosis and actually this is an ability for them to have that diagnosis and for it to be really safely managed on this trip but actually in a totally um, fun and inclusive way and it, it almost feels like a sense of solidarity for them I imagine. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that and, and we're all you know we are encouraging them to we want them to reach their potential and whatever that may be, and it will be different for all of us um, and all of the children. But it's it's just encouraging that that reaching their potential and, and what they want to achieve in life. And we will support that and be their role models and mentors for the 10 days or for beyond if it's appropriate. Amazing. Yeah, I, I echo everything that Julia said. I think um, one of the things that really strikes me with the trip is that um, sometimes as doctors and nurses and healthcare professionals, we're sort of a bit guilty of telling kids what they can't necessarily do because of their condition or saying, you know, we would recommend you do this or we'd recommend avoiding doing that. And the mindset with Dreamflight is completely the opposite. It's very much, we will get you on whatever ride you want to get on. We will get you to Florida if 
even if there's all these challenges, we will get you out there. We will get you on the rides that you want to go on. We won't make you do anything you don't want to do. But if you say to us, I want to go on that roller coaster, unless there is some startling medical reason why you cannot be flipped upside down. And one thing I've learned uh, from doing this for a few years is that when you speak to the consultants and the, the professionals that know these children well, really, there's not much that stops you from being flipped upside down. <laughs> Um, we will get the kids on those rides and we will let them get everything out of that trip that they want to. Um, and it's, it's a real uh, team effort of facilitating um, what those kids want to do. Yeah, um, amazing. It's about flipping that narrative sometimes, I think, isn't it? And yeah. it sounds like that's what that's what you do, certainly at least for that really intense 10 day period. So that's that's brilliant. Yeah. We've um, we've talked obviously quite a lot about the children that go on this trip, but um. I guess for people listening, I'm just wondering, possibly a question for you, Chris, is um, what sort of criteria um, do these children need to meet to be um, to be recommended for a dream flight trip? And what sort of conditions do you commonly encounter? Yeah, so um, we, we take a wide range of um, children with medical problems. Um, the children on the trip are aged between eight and 14 years. Um, and occasionally there's a, a touch of wiggle room on that if there if there are special circumstances, but but we try to keep it in that age range so that the children are of a similar enough age that they will bond um, at least um, with with peers. Um, and it, it's a, a full range of of medical problems. So we often have children that have spent time under oncology services. Uh, children with uh, chronic respiratory conditions. We've, we've usually got at least one child per group with cystic fibrosis, but um, we, we take other uh, children with other medical um, respiratory problems. Uh, other children that stick out, are, we, we usually have a, a couple of uh, diabetic children per group. Um, children that have got things conditions like cerebral palsy um, or other um, motor problems like that that have increased dependency needs. Uh, this year we've had a child with immunodeficiency um, problems. Uh, we've had children with renal transplants and, and other transplant type problems. Children that have had complex congenital heart surgery, children with epilepsy, children with traumatic brain injuries or um, other uh, neurological conditions such as that. So really it is a, a really wide range. There's not much that we will not take. Um, there is capacity to take children on the trip who require um, non-invasive ventilation overnight. Uh, we can manage a couple of those uh, children as an entire trip, um, not not per group, but as an entire trip, we, we can accommodate that. So really it is everything and anything. Um, the, the one thing that um, we do... Um, are quite careful about is um, children that have uh, a degree of intellectual impairment that they, they even if they're not chronologically between the age of 8 and 14 they should be functioning at that sort of age so children that are at the younger age of that age range that are maybe functioning a few years younger may not cope so well because obviously it's a it's a big trip it's a busy trip and it's away from their parents and if they're not sufficiently mature to be able to um appreciate all of that um then they won't get as much out of the trip as as we would hope and they're probably better to wait for a few years until they're a bit more mature and able to to cope with um that big change in routine yeah absolutely i think the standout thing from that is just the vast range of conditions that um that you must encounter on this trip and how many children therefore um you know this this sort of 
charity would encompass. Um, yeah. There's usually one child in our group every year with a diagnosis that I've never heard of before. So <laughs> yeah. it's, um, well, every day it's good for my professional development too. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I guess a question for both of you, but but perhaps for Jilly is um, how do children come to be involved in Dreamflight? What is the um, the most common way that they come to hear about the charity? Would you say? Yeah, well, we invite um, health professionals from you know everywhere to nominate a child. So we'd hope that we have some sort of social media following, so that on on all of the usual channels like Facebook and, and Instagram and Twitter, that we can put out and say nominations are open. So we open them sort of at beginning of February time, um, and that's they are currently open. So we are accepting nominations for children, and that's that is as I said nationwide. Obviously, Chris and I are very much would be looking at the children that are in the Shrek region um, and so then all the nominator needs to do um, so it has the child has to be nominated by a health professional and then would have to be signed off by that child's um, consultant so ultimately um, a play specialist or a community nurse or a physiotherapist they can all nominate the child and then as I say the consultant would be signing off that form um, that the child is well enough and able to do the trip and that they are supportive of the nomination. Um, I think if a family member were to see the charity and would want their child to be nominated, they would need to go and take it to the health professional or the team that are involved in, in the care of the child. Um, but we do, you know, we do have great nominations, but we can, I think there are still so many departments that haven't heard about Dreamflight and we don't do advertising. We are a small little charity. We are, you know, we... What is it? It's something like 82 pence in every pound goes directly to the children's charity. We have such a small percentage, which is just this, the staff that we need to, to man our little office in Buckinghamshire. And then the rest of us, Chris and I included, are volunteers. Um, so spreading the word is great. It's Chris and I will talk to anybody who listen about Dreamflight. <laughs> um, and and it's it's great. You know, it's, it is one of those that we really love anybody asking questions. And it could just be Oh, is this the right child to nominate? And as Chris and I said, we'll always be very honest. We say we'll give them a couple of years, or um, or whether dream flight is right for the child. Yeah, absolutely. And that's I think that's so important that what you said is that all allied health professionals who might be listening to this podcast, if someone's listening and thinking, oh, I might know a child, it sounds like the best thing for them to do is is get in touch with you guys. Would that be fair to say? I would say go on to the website. So it's um, dreamflight.org and on there it has um, nominate a child and you'd click on the link and it's an online form. Um, and then we would then from the office side of things, they'd be able to go back and send the DocuSign to the consultant um, to, to sign off. And, and if it's flagged up any areas that we need a little bit more information, then obviously we can do that. Um, but definitely through the website, that's the easiest and quickest way. Many, many years ago, um, it would be all writing forms um, and it would be a four page you know, form. And there, there are, you know, there are quite a lot of detail on the form because, again, we need to know quite a bit about the child before we can consider the makeup of the group um, and the workload for, for the nursing team. Um, and as you say, the parents of whether we've got a young group or an old group. So it all works and and something else for them to bear in mind, if we have got a child who is completely dependent and is going to need our care, we do have an upper weight limit of 50 kilos. Um, and that would just be from us as a team moving and handling that, that young person every day for 10 days. 
Yeah, absolutely. Chris, I guess hopefully by this point in the podcast, we've got lots of people listening who are uh, excited about Dreamflight and maybe healthcare professionals thinking about how they can get involved. Um, If we've got healthcare professionals listening to this and thinking that they want to get involved, what's the best way of them um, getting involved in Dreamflight? So uh, please come and talk to any of us that are involved. I think um, a chat is always a a good way to... um, uh, get across how great the charity is. Um, I'm very happy to, to talk to anybody about Dreamflight um, ad infinitum. So I'm sure, asking with your technological wizardry, you can stick my uh, Twitter handle or my contact details or something on on here too. That's okay. Um, so uh, yeah, so for getting involved, um, like I said, very happy to talk to anybody um, about Dreamflight, and I'm sure Asim can pop my contact details on onto the podcast too. Um, from getting involved, please, you know, if you, if you've met a child that you think would be um, suitable for a dream flight experience, please have a chat to me. Please nominate them. Um, if you know if you're in in the Welsh region, I'm very happy to talk to anybody. I think um, it's not always the most um, upsetting medical journey, shall we say, that that makes a child deserving. Sometimes, if it, they don't need to have had the hardest time in the hospital, but if they've come from um, a challenging social background or um you know life hasn't been easy for other reasons um for that child or that family um then we we still want to hear about them um and the supporting information part of the nomination form is a it's the sort of free text box that everyone dreads on a on any kind of form i guess but it really is the box that when we're looking at these children really gives us a feel for who that child is um, and what they can get out of the trip um I love our nominations meeting when we've, they've closed and, and we sit down, we look through what we've got. Um, but I also find it the hardest part of the experience because I just want to take them all. And obviously we can't do that. And building a team of junior Shrekis that is balanced. And, um, and I mean that from the point of view of boys and girls and age ranges, but it's also balanced from a workload point of view for what we can manage as a group of um, adults to look after those children. It, it can be really challenging. Um, so I no, just say we do get more nominations in than we can take on the trip. So if you do nominate a child and, and we unfortunately couldn't select them for this year's trip, um, then please don't be disheartened. Um, we always um, keep some some children in reserve because unfortunately we do have last minute dropouts um, sometimes for children that we're hoping to go, but for one reason or another can't make the trip this time around. So we do keep children in reserve and any children that have been nominated that, that couldn't go on the next trip get rolled forward for the year after. So um, they're always under consideration for a dream flight experience once the nomination's gone in. Um, otherwise, you know, it, it's a charity. Uh, we're, we're always keen for a bit of fundraising um, to, to keep the, the, the trip going. You know, it, we're a small charity. It still costs about a million pounds to do a dream flight trip. You know, we, we, we charter a plane, we uh, have a lot of hotel accommodation to pay for, we've got a lot of theme parks to pay for, all the adults um, on the trip, bar the uh, couple of office staff that the charity has are all volunteers, you know, we, we don't get paid for our time on the trip, that's that's what we give to the charity as well. Um, so have a look at the website, there's, there's always um, ideas on there for fundraising opportunities that are coming up. Um, Team Shrek adults are doing a 100 kilometer continuous walk this uh, summer uh, to, to try and raise some money. We're, we're aiming for four and a half thousand pounds, which is about the cost to send one child on a dream flight experience. So 
Uh, lastly, um, volunteering for the charity. So I, I feel very lucky and privileged to be able to, to come back again this year um, to, to support Team Shrek on, on Dreamflight. Um, within each uh, group of adults, there's uh, a team doctor um, and then we have three um, nurses in the team. Uh, one physiotherapist normally and then uh, the rest are a group of what we call non-medical volunteers who are uh, a mixture of um, experienced and less experienced uh, dream flighters as um, they're known um, who uh, support uh, the group as well and still provide an escort um, to uh, two of the two of the junior ogres or two of the, the children on the trip so um you know there's a, a wealth of experience and we're always looking for um people to come and join dream flight and to offer their experiences and their their take on 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 it too um nominations for adult volunteers are very shortly about to close for this year i think it's the um middle of next week um that they close so probably will have closed by the time this goes out um but uh adult uh volunteer um, applications are usually open in in sort of January February time um, of of the year. So just keep an eye on the website and the social media um, channels, and there's an announcement that goes out um, when that when that happens. Um, so you know your application goes into the office, uh, it gets filtered down to whichever uh, regional leader um, would be uh, covering where you live, um, and then it, it's usually a, a process of having a chat. And um, if if you're new to the charity, uh, Jilly. Uh, we'll do a, a soft interview like I had, uh, which is a very pleasant experience. Uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, Julie has the responsibility for, for building the team on the experience and skills that she needs. So it all depends what's on offer for that for that year coming, really. And I think um, that there's quite a few roles also available on the trip. And obviously, um, whilst the majority of your listeners are healthcare professionals, um, which is great, you know, because that's what we need um, from doctors, physiotherapists, nurses. Um, but also, you know, um, Dreamflight would consider sort of a play specialist, play therapists and play specialists in a role. Um, we also have night nurses um, on, on the trip. And then we have some um, night comforters who come and help out just at the night in London before we go. So maybe listeners might think oh I might dip my toe in in the water of dream flight and maybe help out on that night as, as part of the night nursing team come and support them and and it is so manic on that first day when we're just taking these children from their parents having more people more hands on deck could could be really useful um, and certainly from our point of view um, in Team Shrek, you know, when we meet and we get together uh, and we're always looking for sort of extra hands on on certain opportunities, um, please do get in touch with with Chris um, and we can we can hopefully find a role for you. Amazing. Oh, thank you both so much for that. It's given a really good overview and um, I'm hopeful by the end of this podcast, you're going to have queues of people wanting to get involved in Dreamflight. You're clearly both persuasive enough because you've managed to persuade me to walk 100 kilometres with you in the summer. So I don't know how you've managed to do that, but um, if anyone else listening uh, can be as easily persuaded as me, then uh, feel free. Um, I think that was the overview of all the questions that we had, Asim. I don't know if there's anything else that you think I've missed that you want to tag on before we... Oh, no, nothing that you've missed at all, Zoe, but I am wondering just out of curiosity what the other regional teams are known as. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, we're going to start up in Scotland. Okay, so um, we've got the Marvels, ah. and we've got Donald Duck, 
we've got Scooby Doo over in Northern Ireland, mm-hmm. and we've got the Tiggers, which is sort of Newcastle. Pirates, Manchester, and they cover a bit of North Wales, actually, the Pirates. We've got the Goofies, Simpsons, Mickey Mouse, Jedi. Dolphins. Dolphins. Uh, Pooh Bears. Oh, Pooh Bears are London. Can't forget the Pooh Bears, we share a floor with them. Oh, yes, yeah, we do. <laughs> and, then, and then, of course, we've got the Minions, which are all the, like, um, their video team and um, trustees and... All the all the grown ups, really, all the boring grown ups now. I trust that they're in yellow face paint for the whole time. No, they're not. They're not actually. Yellow t shirts is a poor substitute, <laughs> really. Maybe we should make a recommendation. <laughs> I don't know if you wanted to close with it, but I've got a, a really nice couple of quotes from children. Oh, yes, please. Yeah. What a fab, fab I mean, note I've that would be got to close I've got with. one from a. She's, well, she's not her, she was the auntie, wasn't she, of one of our children this year who basically did a thank you. But I think the children's quotes are really nice. So yeah. if you're happy. Yeah, mm-hmm. please. That'd be lovely, Jenny. Thanks. So I've got a couple of quotes here from some children. Um, one of them, a Dreamflight child said, Dreamflight has taught me a lot of things. One is to never let your illness put you down. Always look on the bright side of life. And remember, there is always someone out there who is worse off than you. Which I thought was lovely. And then I've got another one who a child who went in 1993. Now, almost 25 years on from being away, I am still so thankful for the opportunity Dreamflight gave me and also how they made me the person I am now by giving me a huge confidence and independence boost at such a young age. Wow. And I think that sometimes the children just sum it up better than, than we ever could, isn't it? That's amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to Chris and Jilly for joining us um, and talking so passionately about Dreamflight. I think um, I speak for everyone when I say we're leaving this podcast um, a lot more joyous and inspired than when we started it. So um, thank you very much. We'll leave all the information for everyone um, to find out more um, in our description boxes. um, And hopefully you'll be hearing from lots more people soon. Thank you very much, both. Thank you so much. Lovely to meet you both. Thank you for the opportunity. And I'll be seeing you on a training walk soon, Zoe. Absolutely. Yes, you will. Yeah, thank you so much. And I just wanted to say thank you to Zoe, to Jilly and to Chris for recording that episode for us. If you're interested in finding out more about the Dreamflight charity or if you're interested in nominating a child or fundraising for them, please head to their website www.dreamflight.org where you can find more information. As a special treat to lead us out this week, we're going to play the Dreamflight charity song Fly Away by Ollie Wade featuring former Dreamflight children. For now, thank you for listening to Dragon Bites. Take a chance on me I know that I may not have The strongest bones you see Oh, the loudest voice that's calling out to come and notice me Don't think that I can dream of things that seem far too out of reach for me So come and look behind my eyes 
to the strength that's underneath Smile stay engraved in your memory and my 